continuing our series. We started this series titled Pebble last week as we study our way through Ecclesiastes. Um, and as we saw last week, the book of Ecclesiastes is not an easy book. Um, it's not one that, um, that is even super encouraging. It's one that we see was written by Solomon, as we saw last week, uh, the, the king of Israel, uh, wisest man uh, that has ever lived because he asked God for wisdom and God granted that request. Um, and with that, we, we've seen that, again, Solomon wrote several different things and some different books within the Bible. Ecclesiastes is a part of the wisdom literature, uh, meaning it is one piece of a three-piece puzzle um, of, of all of the, again, of how we do life well, how do we live by wisdom. You know, the first piece is the book of Proverbs, um, and, and Proverbs comes from the tone of, um, of a, a helpful grandmother with a very optimistic view. Okay? And then we have the second piece is the book of Ecclesiastes, which is written, uh, again, by King Solomon uh, with a very different viewpoint, right? He comes from the pessimistic side, right, from the view of that, um, in fact, he says overall throughout 38 times throughout the book that life is meaningless, or actually the Hebrew word is the word hebel. Right? And saying that it's just, it's hard to understand. It's, it, it's some things that don't make sense. Um, and yet, uh, you know, he, he comes to that of saying that, again, life without God is meaningless. But he comes from a very pessimistic view, right? And uh, we also saw again last week that within Ecclesiastes, we see two, two voices. We have the author voice, which is the more big picture thinker, the, the positive outlook. And then we have the teacher, which is the most of the book. Right? And the teacher comes from the very pessimistic view of noticing, again, and identifying human ideas right? and how, how short they fall. Um, through that, again, Solomon wrote, you know, both of them. He is vo both voices, but he wrote, again, from different perspectives within the book. And then the, the third piece of the wisdom literature puzzle is the book of Job. Right? And that is the book, again, a, a narrative story um, of Job and, and of his uh, his suffering and his allegiance to God. Um, and so as, as we've, we're putting the pieces of this puzzle together, we put those together last week, and now we saw again the overview of Ecclesiastes, and that's where we ended last week, and that's where I want to start today, um, is with Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, okay, where he says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his command for this is everyone's duty. Right? And we see, again, that is the conclusion of the book. And, and in fact, as we say, again, Ecclesiastes, we saw last week, is not a theological book. It is not a book about God, right? But it is, it is an ideological book. It's a book made up of human ideas, right? And, and of things that observations, uh, you know, from this teacher about how life um, doesn't make sense, right? And about how human ideas are sometimes hard to, to fathom and, and hard to put together with who God is. And yet this is his conclusion, right, at the very end that we hear from the author, right, that, that, um, that we need to fear God and obey his commands, and that is truly the duty of every human. And again, as he comes, again, to this conclusion that everything in life is hebel except for God. Everything in life is hebel without God. Right, that God is the only thing that brings us hope, that God is the only thing that makes life worthwhile. And then, like I said, he goes into um, this several chapter 
really kind of ramble and rant about several different uh, topics, several different things that we seek as humans to find fulfillment, um, things that yet even the more that we seek it, the more that we just feel empty, right? Because we get to the end of that road and, and realize that it's still just pebbles unless God is involved. So this morning, again, we're going to look at one of those topics, and uh, we're going to look at some of these different topics that, that again, that the, the teacher identifies that we can seek in life, right? In fact, that, that we oftentimes seek, and yet, if, if, even if we are find those things completely within earthly standards, it will still end up pebble without God. Now, today, we're looking at seeking success. Okay, looking at, again, can we be successful? And a lot of times, again, we find fulfillment in success. You know, again, on this Mother's Day, you know, thinking about, um, uh, you know, um, several of the topics that he goes into when he talks about success within the book um, are things that we've probably heard from our mother at different times in our life, right? Things like, you know, use your time wisely, right? Things like use, you know, don't you have any common sense, right? And, and again, and I know, again, we, you know, Maury and I, we have all boys, and again, especially with boys, Again, sometimes it seems like you just kind of look at boys and be like, really? What were you thinking? Right? And, and we realize, again, as guys, right, we can say we weren't. <laughs> right? Like, you know, where, where's the common sense in this? Right? Again, and when, so like I said, he goes into several different sections within the book um, of times where he says that we can seek success. Right? And even co through common sense, through wise use of time, and yet he comes up um, with this fact that still without God, everything is heavily. And so, like I said, we're going to bounce around a little bit today as we, um, you know, look at these different areas of topics of worldly success versus godly success. And that's really, again, what the teacher does for us um, in this topic is he looks at, hey, how does the world define success, right, through common sense, through wise use of time, through all these things, versus what does godly success look like? Because without God, it's all heaven. And so our, our, our base passage this morning is going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, um, chap verses 1 uh, through 15. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Um, if you don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you uh, in the seat pockets in front of you. You notice on your outline is the page numbers of where you can find uh, this passage in those Bibles. So we're going to start out this morning um, at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, um, starting at verse 1, where it says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to try and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. I want to pause there um, as we uh, examine again this, this first section of scripture and and as we read this, again, this is probably the most familiar passage of Ecclesiastes, right? One that we have heard over and over. Should we all sing the song together, right? Um, 
Okay, maybe not. But, uh, but as, we, as we realize that, again, this is, these are familiar words, right? And realizing, right, that, that there, there are seasons in life, there are times, right, when everything is appropriate, right? And, and yet as we, as we realize that and when we look at this worldly success, right, and realizing, again, that there, there's a time, again, to plant, there's a time, you know, to harvest. Right? There, there's a time to uproot, right? There's a time to gather, there's a time to scatter, there's all of these things. And yet, worldly success always wants to win. Okay, and it's one of the things, again, that, that the teacher identifies for us in this, right, is that worldly success, right, it means we, all, we always want the win. We're always looking for that win, right? We feel like it should always be a time of harvest. Right, we expect everything to always be profitable. Right, we expect that everything is should be growing. Right, we expect that again, it's always time to win, and we also want that win instantly. Right, we don't want to wait for it to grow. We don't want to plant seeds. We don't want to till up the ground. We just want the harvest. Right, and we want it now. And and again, that's the way the world really works, right? We all want the win. And once we get the win, right, we never forget the win, right? Once we get it, we always have, again, those stories that we go back to, right? Those old sports stories of the state championship in high school, right? Or, you know, the, the, the time when, uh, you know, this was great. Or, you know, again, remembering those good old days, right? When we get the win, we never let it go. Right? Because worldly success always wants to win. And yet in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 7 through 10, okay, he says, Extortion turns wise people into fools and bribes corrupts the heart. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Control your temper for anger labels you a fool. Don't long for the good old days. Because this is not wise. And we realize that most people, again, and most people, that includes us, right, we will do anything for the win, right? And, and we will, um, again, even do things we know are not right, whether that's accept a bribe, right, extort other people, right? Um, again, move past, right, to skip the process and jump right to the end, right? We want the win, and yet he says, you know what, that's not why. Right, skipping, always going to the wind, doing whatever the cost, right, even running over whoever we got to run over to get the win is not wise. But yet godly success, right, tells us that we need to realize that there are seasons in life. Right, godly success says, hey, you're not always going to win because anytime you go in, right, we understand this, right, that there, if you go into a competition, there's going to be a winner, but that also means that everybody else will lose, right? And you know, and truthfully, there are some seasons that are for winning, and there are some seasons that aren't. Right? Even uh, again, just as I've you know uh, worked with my boys, and as we come up through sports, again, I've I've had to tell tell them over and over again, like guys, you're not in this to win; you're in this to get better. Right? There's again, this is not necessarily your season to win every time. You're just, you know, you just started playing the sport. You've got to learn. In fact, I, I, um, we, we have had a, I've had a boat. Again, I love to, to wakeboard and, and 
watching my boys learn to wakeboard sometimes, right, is, is that's not an easy thing to learn how to do and especially to be able to get up and ride. And, and you know, again, they, they watched, of course, to them, they never saw me learning, right? They just saw me get up and, and ride and around and, and jump. And so for them, like, you know, they get back there, they expect to get up and ride and do this cool jump the first time behind the boat, right? And, and again, I had to constantly remind them, like, hey, falling is part of learning, right? We don't always win, right? There is a season of falling, right, that comes before we're able to just get up and do it, right? The godly success and even godly wisdom helps us to realize that there are seasons in life, right? And that winning isn't everything, right? Sometimes you have to take some losses to get yourself to the winning season, right? In fact, there's lots of work that happens. Right? There's, there, we don't ever see the behind the scenes. Again, the media never shows us, you know, behind the scenes. They just show the championship victories, right? They don't show all of the blood, sweat, and tears and practice, you know, and struggle and injury and, and everything that goes into getting there, right? But godly success realizes that there's seasons in life, right? Ecclesiastes 3.1, for everything there is a season and a time for every activity under heaven. You know, and sometimes, truthfully, winning is not always the best thing for you. All right, as we all, we all know and experience, right, that we learn more, we grow more through failure than we do through success, oftentimes. But yet, worldly success always wants to win, right? And yet, godly success realizes that there are seasons in life, and, you know, and sometimes it is okay to not be okay. You know, so many times we, again, even, especially even coming to church, right? We come to church and we just have to put on this happy face, right? And say, you know, yeah, when people ask, how are you doing? I'm good, even when we're really not, right? And yet, again, godly success, you know what? It's, it's okay, right? Because it's, it's okay to not be okay, right? There are seasons in life. And the next thing I want to point out, right, is, is when we look at this worldly success versus godly success, Right, is we see then that worldly success relies completely on results. Okay, worldly success replies completely on results. Again, I want to go back again to our text this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, picking up at verse 9. Okay, where he says, so what do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Again, we as humans, as our human ideas, our worldly success, right, we, we rely completely on the results. We define success, right, by the results. Right, we look at that and say, you know, um, again, we want success, right? We want completion. We want to be um, to see, you know, um, good results from our work, right? In fact, if we don't see results, we can get very frustrated. Right now, I, again, and I'm a person, but I'll tell you, I'm a person that gets frustrated. Okay, I get frustrated quickly, oftentimes, right? And, and you know, again, as I work through that again, and this is a struggle for me, right, is when as soon as I try something, try to work at it, if I'm not successful at it right away, right, I'll get frustrated. Right, I'll get frustrated quickly. You know, but yet, again, in those times, right, is, is where 
again, I've got to go back and, and think about why, why do I do that? Why do I tend to be that? And, you know, it's very interesting, again, in this verse, um, in these verses, right, he says, again, what do we really get from our hard work? And in verse 10, he says, I've seen the burden that God has placed on us all. Again, what burden has God put in our heart? I mean, I believe, again, one, part of that burden is the fact that he, we want to be successful, right? We serve a God, right, who is, who is perfect, who is holy. Right, and when that is our standard, again, we get frustrated when we don't meet that standard. And yet, we know, right, that just through the story of the gospel, the fact that we, we do fall short of that holiness, right, because, because of our sin. Right? And yet, again, that frustration comes out, right, when we know what we could be, what we were even created to be, and yet we fall short of it. Right? In Ecclesiastes 9, 1 through 3, okay, he says this. He says, this too I carefully explored. Even though the actions of godly and wise people are in God's hands, no one knows whether God will show them favor. The same desti destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially clean or unclean, religious or irreligious, good people receive the same treatment as sinners. And people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. Already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyways. I mean, talk about a pessimistic view. Right, talk about, again, this idea, right, that, you know what, it doesn't even matter, right? I, again, and, and we've seen that, right? This is, again, that human idea, right? This, this, this observation, right, of saying, you know what, sometimes it doesn't matter whether you're a follower of God or not. So, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter if you're, you're striving to be better than the other person. Sometimes it just doesn't work out, right? And you are not successful. Right? And, and, again, this pessimistic view, right, comes down with this. Right? Again, I think in this, in this, this kind of rant by him of, of this observation, this human idea, right, is, is just the, the, at the essence, the core, the crux of Hebel that we see in these verses. Again, because underline the phrase, like, underline the phrase, they have no hope. Again, it is so easy, again, to, to, to take on this, this attitude, right, of, Man, you know what? Like, nothing ever works out. Right? I, I just, I try, and yet I just get knocked down. You know, I try to do something that's good for me, like working out, and all I do is get injured. Right? And, and we, we can carry this, this frustration. Right? And again, this leads us down the road of having no hope. Right? And yet, as followers of Jesus, we do have hope. Right, just as he says, right, he's like, hey, you know what, there's no hope because there's just death ahead of us. Right, but yet as followers of Jesus, right, of, of accepting our salvation through Christ, we do have a hope. Right, and no matter how much we fail in this world, right, God's grace is there to pick us up. Right, and our hope for success is way more than just beyond death. Right, our hope for success, we have hope for eternity. Right, that we can be with God. Again, death is not something we have to fear. Right, and realizing, right, that, that God's timing is way better than ours. He can see more than we can see, even in that moment. Right, and again, God could see this bigger picture of that, hey, they are not going to be successful on earth. There's no way for them to save themselves. 
So he sent his son to die for us, to make a way for us, right? And that is incredible hope, right? And so our earthly success, worldly success relies completely on results, right? And leads us down the road of no hope, right? Godly success realizes that God sees the bigger picture, and there is a bigger picture, right? It's not just our frustration in the moment, right? But the fact that we have hope in God. Right, and in the gospel of Christ. Again, we see now just a few verses later, right, in Ecclesiastes 9.10, where we see him kind of lean the other way, right, when he says, so whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. And again, there's this underlying tone within his pessimistic view that we looked at last week, right, the fact that he knows that God is there. Right? He knows that God is sovereign, and he knows that God is loving. Right? And at the same time, again, as he writes this, he's like, hey, you know what? There is no hope without God. But with God, you have hope, and therefore, do everything you do well. Right? Because truthfully, your success is not in your hands at all. Right? Because physical death will come, and at that point, you know what? You won't even get the, the joy of planning right? or of knowledge or of wisdom or, or of, of, of working. Right? Because with God... You, we can trust that he sees the bigger picture and he will ultimately bring us success if we follow him. And then he continues his thoughts here in Ecclesiastes 3, okay, in, in verse, picking up at verse 12. Okay, where he says, So I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And when people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Again, he, he moves on, right, from this, this view, right, of like, man, like, success doesn't always come, and, and we can get this, this frustrating view, and yet, we're not relying on myself for success if I'm a follower of God, right? If I believe that God is there, that God is walking with me, right, then I will define, again, success differently, right? And, and, it's, and I won't rely on myself as much. I won't carry that heavy burden that he's put on us all, right? I can give that burden to the God that I follow. But yet worldly success relies completely on myself. I see worldly success, again, relies completely on myself. Worldly success, right, tells if I'm not successful, then I figure out why and I change it, right? I just work harder, right? I try and figure it out. Right? If it's not working, I just get a bigger hammer. Right? And, and we just continue to move on. Right? I just got to meet the right people. Come up with a new idea. Right? Again, I just turn closer to myself and I figure it out. Right? Again, and and this, is, this is part of, too, where he kind of goes into even this common sense right, that we turn to. Okay? Which in, and he, again, he points one of these out in Ecclesiastes 10.10. Okay, where he says, using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. And that's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. Again, this is kind of, again, comes into the old adage, right, of work smarter, not harder. Right? And yet, but notice, again, the, even the flaw in that reasoning, right, is the fact that I'm still looking at myself. Right? If my strength isn't good enough, then I can turn to my mind and I can figure it out. Right? But yet... I'm still relying 100% on myself. And yet godly wisdom says, don't, 
just rely on yourself, right? But turn to God, right? Trust in God. Know that he can see the bigger picture. Know that he's, he's leading you through this process, this journey in your life, right, that ultimately will bring success. But, you know, maybe it's not that, maybe you're not in that season. Right, again, as we realize this, right, we understand that godly success just enjoys the season you're in. Right, even if that is not a season of success. Right, even if that's not a season of harvest. Right, even if it feels like, man, every door just gets getting slammed in my face. Right, yeah, maybe that's when we got to take a step back and say, but Lord, what do you need me to learn in this season? God, what are you trying to show me? in this season, right? How can I enjoy this season and learn and grow in my own faith journey through even my failures, right? If we can ultimately rely on God for our success. Again, and, and we've, I've, I've talked about it um, quite a few times, again, and to say, and, and as many of you know, again, you know, my family, we're walking through this process of adopting. Right? And, and we've been, again, we just had to renew our home study because it, it expires after a year. And again, that was kind of a little sobering of realizing that we've been waiting for a year. You know, and yet as we continue to pray and continue to wait, right, again, God has just continued to say, I'm with you. Right? It's okay. Right? And just enjoy this season of waiting. Right? And yet again, Maureen and I have talked and we say, you know, we're actually like, I mean, it's been hard to wait. It's been hard to not have a baby show up into our life. But yet at the same time, we have grown in our marriage through this waiting time. You know, we've grown as a family by waiting. You know, and again, we've constantly had to turn back to God and say, God, we, we, did, we did what you asked us to do. And yet we're not being successful. Right? And yet God just keeps saying, just, Trust me, right? Enjoy the season that I have you in, right? It's not a season yet, right, of completing the adoption, but trust me, right? I'm going to work it out, right? And God continues to say, just, just trust me and enjoy the season you're in, right? Again, looking back at that year, realizing, you know, man, there's a lot of things we wouldn't have learned, right, that we wouldn't have, have worked through had we not been waiting for a year. Ecclesiastes 6, 9 through 10, right, says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Everything has already been decided. It was known long ago that each person would be, so there's no use arguing with God about your destiny. Again, as followers of Christ, right, as believers in God and, and trusting God for the right season of success, I says, you know what, that's, that's far better than sometimes even being successful right away. Right, that trust that God is in control and enjoy the season you're in. And then he, he wraps up this section in verses 14 and 15 in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Okay, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 14. He says, and I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before, and what, and what will happen in the future has happened before, because God makes the same things happen 
over and over again. Again, as we think about and read those words, again, I want to point out the fact, right, and again, he says it a few times in, in his roundabout way, right, that God is the one that makes things happen. Right, God makes things happen. Right, now again, God directs us as his followers. God says, hey, I need you to, to follow through with this process. I need you to, to do this or that. And, and yet, you know, God directs our steps, and yet God is the one who ultimately makes it successful, right, or makes it fail. And as we realize that, and when we think about it, again, God is the one that is in control. I think there's, there's an overlying concept that, that the teacher shows us through this passage, again, this very famous, most famous passage of Ecclesiastes. And that is it, is, is that as we realize the seasons, right, knowing that even the right action in the wrong season will give us the wrong result. Right, even the right action, if it's done in the wrong season, will still give us the wrong result. Right, and we ultimately have to realize, right, that God is the one that created us. God is the one that created time and the world, right? God purposely created seasons in our life and in the world. And again, as we observe this happening, that's you know, the way our world works in seasons. And you know what? So, so do we. And so does even our growth, right? As we look at our faith journey, as we join the journey and continue to walk with Christ, right? Realizing that, that it's not only the actions that we have to get right, but we also have to get the timing right in order to get God's will accomplished in our life, right? In order to, to get the right result. Okay, in Ecclesiastes 7, 13 and 14, okay, he says this. He says, accept the way God does things, for who can straighten what he has made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Remember that nothing is certain. Okay, yeah, and yet we already know, right, we've already seen this conclusion. The only thing that is certain in this life is God. Right, and, and worldly success tells us we should always be in a harvest season, right, that, that I have hold my own destiny, right, and that I can make it happen on my own, right, and, um, you know, that if I just work harder, I'll be successful, and yet, you know, that's the only way we always have to win, and that's just simply not true. Right? God has designed seasons into this world and designed seasons into our life. Right? And realizing, right, that sometimes the timing, in fact, is way more important than the action. Right? To get the result that God wants in our, in our hearts and lives. Right? Which leads me then to my final thought this morning, and that is this. That success can be a big motivation to keep journeying. But without God, even success will be heavy. Right, so what role does God have in your goals? Right, again, we're all striving for something. We all want to, you know, hit a goal and, and, and continue to move forward in our journey as we should. Right, but what role does God have in those plans? What role does God have in those goals? Because just as as our pessimistic teacher taught us, right, is that worldly wisdom, right, says do it yourself, right? Godly wisdom says do it with God, 
right? Because it will be meaningless. Even if you succeeded on your own, it's going to be meaningless without him. All right, so trust in him and follow his lead. And no matter what season you